Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you ever think about how massive the universe is? We all live on a tiny blue dot that we call Earth as it floats out in the vast emptiness of space. Above us shines a sun hot enough to burn our skin, yet it's so much smaller than the stars that fill our night sky. We've put men on the moon and sent rovers to Mars, but only two of our space probes have ever managed to leave our solar system. I find myself shrinking back when I think about just how microscopic we are in the face of the universe and just how little of outer space we've explored. But that doesn't stop us from looking up at the endless sky and wondering to ourselves what, or who, might be out there waiting for us. And the obvious answer is aliens. I was fascinated by cryptids and paranormal phenomena when I was a kid. While my primary interest was with sea monsters, aliens and UFOs were always up there as well. But about a month ago, I saw NASA was beginning a study looking into Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, which is really just the fancy term for UFOs. And that got me wondering about UFO sightings from around the Phoenix area. To my great surprise, I found that Arizona is something of a hotspot for UFOs and UFO believers. So today's question is less about UFOs around the area and more about those people looking for an answer to the age-old question, are we alone in the universe? I'm summer producer Maria Gutierrez, and this is Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com podcast about Metro Phoenix and beyond. You probably don't need me to tell you that Americans are kind of obsessed with aliens. Remember back in September 2019, when a group of internet users made plans to raid Area 51 to see them aliens, and people actually showed up? And hundreds of alien hunters gathered in Nevada near the government facility known as Area 51. These were the folks who finally tried it. A few dozen running toward an entrance of Area 51, the secretive military base in Nevada said to be holding clues to alien life forms. Since Thursday, five people have been arrested, mostly for trespassing. <laughs> a month ago I came here, and I was uh, practicing my Naruto running uh, in front of Area 51. It was absolutely wild. But even if you weren't there on that glorious day, aliens are everywhere in our media. Depending on your age, you might have grown up watching Star Trek, Doctor Who, or Invader Zim. If you're a movie buff, there's plenty of extraterrestrial movies out there for you. E.T., Signs, Arrival, and who can forget the cinematic masterpiece, Space Jam. But many people aren't convinced that aliens only exist within the realm of fiction. Plenty of folks believe aliens are already here, or if they're not yet, they're out there piloting spaceships we call UFOs. 
Research conducted by Gallup found that about three-fourths of all Americans believe that there's some sort of life out there in the universe. However, when you ask them whether they believe UFO sightings are the work of aliens, only about 40% of Americans will say yes. But if you're one of those believers that calls Arizona home, you're in luck. According to the National UFO Reporting Center, yes, that is a thing, Arizona has had about 4,660 different sightings as of 2022. That makes it the sixth most popular state for UFO sightings. It's only beat out by New York, Texas, Washington State, Florida, and California. However, there is a good chance this list is incomplete. The earliest date I could find in the database was around the early 1950s, but in a 1907 edition of what was then called the Arizona Republican, only four years after the Wright brothers first took flight, they published an article titled, A Strange Sight in Western Sky. A man located in Tempe said he saw a blue disc floating in the sky and that it eventually covered the sun. Six more appeared, and then it shortly disappeared after sunset. Back then, they were less curious about figuring out exactly what it was, and more so about if anybody else had seen it. The best explanation that they could come up with was some condition in the air played with the light weirdly. But the most famous UFO sighting from Arizona by far is the Phoenix Lights incident. Back in March 1997, a series of UFOs were seen flying over parts of Nevada, Arizona, and the Mexican state of Sonora. Starting at 7.30 p.m. and continuing over the next three hours, people reported otherworldly sightings up in the night sky. One was a cluster of lights forming a V-shaped arc flying over Arizona. Not too long after, a series of lights hovered over the more southern part of Phoenix before completely vanishing. The Phoenix lights have since been reduced down to explanations like aircrafts or military flares since then. But still, what is the likelihood of us actually finding alien life out there? And if there is, has it contacted us yet? Pop culture often makes fun of UFO believers. But I didn't think it would be really fair to talk about UFOs without talking to some of these believers. I want to know what made them believe. When I was a kid, I saw a UFO when I was younger, uh, when I was you know, around 12 years old. This is Jeff Willis, a UFO researcher and sky watcher based in the Phoenix area. For over 25 years, he's been documenting any sightings of UFOs on his website, ufosoverphoenix.com, and his YouTube channel. So I always had that um, kind of curiosity about it. And I also had weird experiences in my house. So I was always kind of open to that type of thing. So I had to try to figure it out. So that's when I like, you know, bought all these books on UFOs and Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, all that stuff and weird stuff to try to figure out what, what it could be or what it could mean. And after that, I started videotaping uh, UFOs or taking pictures of them. This thing is moving around, that's not me. Pretty erratic. That was a video clip from Jeff's channel, UFOs Over Phoenix, Jeff Wills, titled 4-4-2020. Technically, UFO just stands for Unidentified Flying Object, and it could literally be anything in the sky you don't recognize. But I wanted to ask Jeff that out of all the UFOs out there, how many he reckons are alien in origin. 
There's a lot of junk in the sky, like garbage and balloons and all sorts of stuff that can be misidentified as UFOs. So basically what they kind of figured out, like Project Blue Book and other UFO researchers over the years, they figured out that probably only like 10% of anything that's ever reported is probably something. And then the 10% that's reported, like most of that could be explained away too. So like there's only a very tiny fraction of the amount of them that could be unexplained and those I would look at. Aliens or not, UFOs are frequently investigated by the government since they could potentially pose a threat to our country's safety. And Project Blue Book, which Jeff mentioned, was a study conducted by the United States Air Force during the 50s and 60s. Of the 12,618 sightings reported, most were either natural occurrences like stars, clouds, or misidentified aircrafts but 701 still haven't been identified at all. Roughly 5% of all of those sightings. I'll be honest, I didn't even know that there was a study like that out there. And it still surprises me that so many of those UFOs haven't been identified, even by our government. The fact the government can't even explain some of these occurrences is what Jeff says makes them even more credible. The reports that they're releasing right now is like military gun camera footage, like UFOs that appear uh, caught on video by our military, and it cannot be explained by them or the Pentagon or anybody else. And then those are the top, like the best, you know, ones that you would consider as possibly alien, because we don't even know about those. Because you have something that is obviously some type of craft, but it's defying all logical and also scientific capabilities it can travel under the water over land and in out in space so this is some sort of craft that we don't we don't have yet yeah i didn't know that some ufo sightings also occurred underwater but between 2014 and 2015 a few navy pilots had reported ufo sightings from when they were stationed along the east coast According to an article by NPR published in 2021, a few of the pilots had said that there were objects that moved faster and with more agility than anything they'd seen before, including a few that dove underwater. Surprisingly, it's often the motion of the UFO that catches Skywatcher's attention and not just a strange sighting. Any objects recorded on land that are moving faster than any capability that we have that's, that you can catch on video. Those are probably good considerations. It has to be actually doing something in the video, really. It can't, if, if it's just sitting there, a light in the sky just sitting there, or like a white dot way up in this blue sky sitting there, I mean, it could be, but there's so many other things that it could be. One question I had burning in my mind was why aliens would be watching us. They could be observing our progression or technological or advancements if they're already like let's say a million or two million years more advanced than we are then they would be able to monitor us to see how long it would take for us to catch up that might be a reason to see where we're going when are they going to make contact i don't think that will happen until we are able to communicate with them there's all these stories about our you know, military chasing after the UFOs and the UFO just takes off. My guess is when we're actually able to come up to speed with them a little bit more so we're, we're able to contact them, they're paying attention. They're paying attention to us 
um, more than ever since the uh, atomic bomb, and that's what the uh, all the UF all the ufology and all the records show with UFOs is that uh, um, the sightings increased after World War II because they realized that we had atomic uh, energy at that point. Like Jeff said, World War II did lead to a lot more UFO sightings being reported. If you were worried about a nuclear bomb being dropped on you, no wonder you were looking at the sky so closely. But why wouldn't we have been contacted yet by any life form that was watching us? They might, like, destroy us or something like that. You know, we always have wars on this planet, and, and they might not want that out farther than our planet. They might be peaceful, so they might not want us out in the universe because they might think of us as a threat, actually. While some may think what Jeff says is far out there, life is often stranger than fiction. We've barely even explored the bottom of our own ocean, and we're learning more about it every day. When you think about it that way, why not be open to the idea of UFOs and alien life? I mean, if people can be more open-minded and look, take a look at what it's out there instead of just making their own judgment before they like look at what's there. There's an awful lot of stuff out there that's not true, that's not real. You have to kind of investigate it on your own, really. And if you don't know where to look, it's going to be harder to find it. But there's certain um, categories in UFOs that every single one of those categories, there's always evidence in each one of those categories. People are coming around, especially with the government, putting stuff out there. So that's pretty much all I have on it, you know. I'd say just keep doing what you're doing, people, and getting more evidence. In my hunt for answers, I also spoke with Stacy Wright. She's Arizona's state director of the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON for short and the director of the Phoenix chapter. But what does MUFON do? We are the world's largest uh, database for reporting of UFO sightings. So anytime someone sees anything in the skies and they don't know exactly where to report it to, um, you can't really report it to the police because they won't take your calls. Um, You can't report it to, say, Luke Air Force Base. They're not gonna take your calls as well. Sky Harbor Airport Tower, they're just going to refer you to MUFON. So MUFON is the place that collects all of the sighting report data. And we have a a giant database where we keep all of this. Um, Someone reports a sighting in and it gets shot back down to the state that it originated from. And then a field investigator is assigned and then they can talk with that person who had the sighting and try to find out what it is and put some of the pieces of that puzzle together. Unlike Jeff, Stacy's fascination with UFOs and aliens didn't start at a young age. While she has always been interested in astronomy and grew up surrounded by television shows about space like Star Trek, her interest didn't peak until she was an adult. You know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, something like that, I just started thinking, you know, there's, there's got to be some kind of fun, quirky UFO meeting here in Phoenix. World-class city, it's, it's so big, and we had the Phoenix lights here. There's got to be some kind of really fun meeting, and I just wanted to go and kind of see what was going on and see what kind of weirdos were there. And uh, so I, I just did a search, you know, out on the web and found this crazy sounding group called MUFON. I'm like, well, what is this? You know, let's maybe try this out. But I found out that it, this group had lain dormant here in the Phoenix area for seven or eight years. Uh, so I wrote in to someone 
and Mufon, not knowing that it was the executive director at the time. And I said, you know, what's up with the Phoenix area? How come there's not a meeting going on here? And he wrote me back and said, you know, we don't really know, but we'd love to have a meeting start up there again. So let me get back to you in a couple of weeks and we'll see what we can work out. So he did that. And lo and behold, there was a meeting and they were looking for someone to volunteer to head up these meetings. Um, they wanted to start up you know, a chapter again in Phoenix. So I just raised my hand thinking, you know, I could do this because there was really only like five people there. And I thought, I can, I can probably do this, even though I didn't have any experience speaking or organizing a group like that. Um, so yeah, I just boldly raised my hand and it just kind of started from there. So we started out very slowly. We, I think our first meeting, we had maybe eight people and then 12. And then we had to keep, you know, finding a meeting space that would allow us more and more people. We kept outgrowing everything. And so now we're at the beautiful venue, you know, of the Arizona Historical Society Museum, and they've got a giant theater inside there, and it holds 300 people, and we have filled that thing up. It was a little surprising to hear someone who is now the state director of MUFON admit that she thought everybody would be a weirdo. So I had to ask when and how that changed for her. So when I first was looking for a meeting, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be fun to go to a place where, you know, people are wearing tinfoil hats, and uh, just kind of look at what kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a student of the bizarre. So I kind of like to, you know, experience some of this weird stuff. But when I got there and realized that the subject matter they were talking about was different sightings that had happened, different events that had happened throughout history. And you find out that the people that come in to speak are doctors. They are PhDs. We have lawyers, we have medical professionals. We've got teachers, we've got psychologists, we have policemen, we have firemen. I mean, there's lots of people in the group. And with so many people in one group, there's bound to be some differences in opinion. As Stacy mentioned before, MUFON will investigate different UFO sightings when people report them. But sometimes their own research receives some pushback as well. You can't talk someone into something. Um, and even when someone sends in a report to us and we say, okay, these are our findings on this. And this is what we found out this is. It really was the International Space Station or something. Um, they don't want to believe that either. No, 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 no. I know what I saw and I saw this and it did this. And no, it was not a satellite or the space station or anything. So you, you get the other way around too. People want to believe what they want to believe. If you want to appeal this to move on, please do. You know, we'll see what some other people can find out about it. We'll, we'll stick this on someone else and see what they can find for you. So it can go both ways. It's a little ironic, isn't it? But having heard it from Jeff and now from her, I asked Stacy what it's like to be met with so much skepticism about UFOs. It gets a little disheartening when you are talking with someone who you know has a brilliant mind, but they're not allowing themselves to really see some of the finer points of what you're talking about. So, I mean, I've worked with PhDs before that believe some really crazy stuff. And you have to wonder how, how can that brain be, be thinking so closed-minded on certain things, you know? But I think that really, you know, the skepticism that people are exhibiting is because that's their, their personal beliefs have not been challenged. And when they are, they're going to fight back just a little bit. People are scared um, by nature of the unknown. So to dive into something like this, not knowing what you're doing, you know, you're a little nervous, you're a little, you know, giggly factor going on. And, 
you know, usually when we do interviews and stuff like this, we, we tell the people that are interviewing us now, listen, if there's any giggle factor going on, let's just stop it right now because that is a thing of the past. Gathering evidence and witness testimony is vital for those researching UFOs. When I asked about it, Stacy pointed back to the Phoenix Lights incident. As I mentioned before, most explanations boil it down to military flares or aircrafts. But yet there was something that flew across the whole state from one end to the other and across into Mexico that was witnessed by tens of thousands of people. There was over a thousand 911 calls that came in that night. So think about that. What else do we have to compare to that? I don't think we have anything that has that many 911 calls. And tens of thousands of people saw this and said something about it. So when you have that much witness testimony, can you really say to those people, you didn't see anything, you're crazy. You saw a, a weather balloon or whatever it might be. So when you get that much witness testimony coming in, it can be evidence. Even though you don't have an artifact in your hand, you don't have the smoking gun, that much witness testimony and is evidence. And part of what keeps people like Stacy involved with this community and this research is the same reason we still, even after all this time, wonder about alien life out there. Curiosity. It just quenches that question that you have inside you. You know, everyone's got questions. Everyone's interested in something. So, you know, it's, it's a subject that we really have just barely touched. And so my interest lies in just finding out more about it. I mean, I just have these questions burning in me and it's just all very interesting. So I like, I wanna be part of that. That's, that's finding out what's going on firsthand. Many UFO enthusiasts already have the answer they were looking for. Yes, life is out there. It knows about us and it's just waiting for a good moment to contact us. If it ever presents itself, that is. But it may be difficult to believe that right away, especially if you doubt there's life out there at all. So let's walk back a little and reconsider the same question from a different angle. According to mainstream science, how likely is it that we aren't alone in the universe? I reached out to Dr. Steve Desch, a professor of astrophysics at Arizona State University's School of Earth and Space Exploration. My research involves planet evolution, planet formation, trying to understand how our solar system came to be. And, and how to other... be, uh, I led a grant here for NASA, a funded project for six years that studied exoplanets and what their chemical cycles might be to try to help us look for life on other planets. NASA defines exoplanets as planets that exist outside our solar system, some orbiting other stars and others free-floating through space. The first few exoplanets weren't discovered until the early 1990s, but there's already been over 5,000 discovered as of time of recording, and that number just keeps going up. Steve's job in the NASA study was to help find a way to determine if any exoplanets could actually have life on them. And one method scientists use is by studying the different chemicals in the atmosphere. It's very hard to to know what the compositions of planets are at the level that we need to know. And all we can do is look at the stars and we can sort of see what atoms are in their atmospheres. And then you get into other questions about volatiles, what they call them, these chemicals that aren't rocks, they usually are gases, carbon and nitrogen and hydrogen and sulfur. And it's like, these are the ones we kind of really care about. That's what life is made out of. It's what's in an atmosphere. 
but because they're not rock, it's it's really hard to to figure out how much of them go into a planet when it forms or, you know, land on the planet later or just never bother. If you were on another planet looking at Earth and saw that it had 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen and there's some carbon dioxide and there's some water vapor, you might be able to infer that that's a sign of life because in our atmosphere, the oxygen is due to plants and cyanobacteria and, and Photosynthesis. But one of the biggest challenges of trying to find life outside of Earth is what life even means. After all, we only know what life looks like when it's on Earth. But on another planet, could you like uniquely attribute oxygen in the atmosphere to plants? What do you expect in the atmosphere if there isn't life? What if there's life that we don't even know about? Uh, like how it works and, you know, what gases you look for. What what do planets do when they're not Earth? <laughs> it's sort of the question. And that's what we spent six years trying to make progress on. Like, what are planets made out of? What sort of chemistries would they have? How does that affect their atmospheres? The study wasn't able to identify any life, unfortunately. But I did ask Steve what he thought about alien life. If you ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but at best, he starts off, space is big. <laughs> you know, it's really big. And when you just add up all of the stars in our galaxy and, you know, tens to 100 billion stars in our galaxy, and you realize there's 100 billion galaxies and each star could have at least one, maybe 10 planets. I mean, come on, those are big numbers. And it, either life, is just a one in a hundred billion out of a hundred billion type of thing and we're that big a fluke or there's life. And I, I think it's very, very, very likely that there's life. Um, on the other hand, I do not believe that life spends its time hiding in cornfields, uh, tricking farmers, but certainly there's, there's a really good chance there's life out there. And in fact, I think most astronomers believe that too. And NASA devotes quite a lot of resources looking for signs of life in the universe. But he did confirm that just because he doesn't believe in that, there's some scientists in the field that are looking for signs of intelligent life. There is a subset, uh, you know, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence or SETI, and uh, they're devoting their work towards finding you know, electromagnetic signals or something like that from, from intelligent life around other stars. And so that's that's a narrower question, but the question of whether there's life, yeah, generally. I think most astronomers think, yeah, there's gotta be. Yeah. Whether we'll find it or not is an open question, but somewhere out there, there is. In fact, the discovery of life outside our planet may be closer than we think. So I was at a conference five years ago of entirely of scientists who were focused on this exact question, hundreds of people, and they were asked and polled, and it was very interesting. The numbers kind of folk focused around or centered around 2050-ish. And I think that sounds about right. You know, like 30 years from now sounds about right. You're not saying anything more than it has pond scum <laughs> on the surface of the planet, but that would be actually hugely monumental because really the leap from, you know, evolutionarily speaking, the leap from atoms to pond scum was way bigger than the leap from pond scum to us. And so that would that would show that if we were to discover that that life would be pretty common. It, it would be so huge, though, that I don't think there's going to be like one instance where like everybody's um, accepted the discovery and we'll be debating it for you know decades and it'll just slowly weigh in. And I think the debates about things like evolution follow the same thing. It's like, 
evolution was discovered centuries ago, but we're still arguing about it. it. There's almost no more fundamental question that humans ask than are we alone? And it, it we try to answer this in so many ways, but there's almost no greater question we could ask. I mean, the discovery of life, but especially intelligent life, but just any life at all would be just hugely monumentally earth shattering. And you know, even if we didn't know if there was intelligent life or uh, on a planet, just to know that it had plants or organisms like that gives us really great hope that, that we're on the right track. Whether staring up at strange lights in the sky or studying other planets' atmospheres, there is something oddly reassuring that so many of us out there want to know we're not alone in the universe, even if we don't always agree on the answer. Maybe I'm not quite yet at the point where I can say I believe aliens are watching us, but I still feel like I gained a deeper appreciation for those people who do, and for anyone looking for evidence of life outside our planet. It takes some bravery to challenge what we've known for centuries to be fact. But for now, there's plenty of things to learn and wonder about back here on Earth and in the valley. So, if you have any questions about the Metro Phoenix area, send us a note. You can submit your questions to valley101 at azcentral.com. And if you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Also rate and follow our show. You can also support all of our podcasts by subscribing to azcentral.com. I'm producer Maria Gutierrez, and until next time, keep an eye out for anything strange you see happening in the sky. You never know what you may find.